allow yourself to be centered and grounded into the earth and to vibrate with the frequency of the A note of the singing bowl and bring yourself in the present moment. Hi, welcome to Hi. episode one of Insensical with Star Child and Riri doing things. I'm Star, I'm Star Child. And I am Riri. Riri resolution, Riri resonate. <laughs> And uh, this is Insensical. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to all our listeners. This is a show about our lives as human beings, as women, as Black people, as practitioners, as energy workers, as mothers, as professionals, as all the things, the compendium, the potent synthesis of all human experience, all con concentrated into one being, two beings, and some crows, all that. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome. So Starchild, how's it going? It's going fine. Mm -hmm. I like your positive energy. Mm. Thank you. We're going to need this. Mm -hmm. Talk about current events. So what are we talking about today? You said you were inspired and you wanted to get to work. So what kind of work are we doing? Well, okay. I think that we should maybe talk about what's going on because you know how podcasts are eternal. And so to give the listeners context. Mm -hmm. So today is uh, June 14th, mm. 2020. I did not and, know that. Thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sunday. And um, over the past couple of weeks, we've had um, insurrections going on across the country mm. and protests uh, against police brutality. Mm -hmm. So that's the context for our conversation today. Mm. And yesterday, um, a man was killed by police in Atlanta. Mm. For running away from them mm. after everything that happened mm -hmm. he was scared for his life mm. and um the protesters went out this happened at a wendy's by the way mm -mm. And, um so the protesters burned the wendy's down oh protesters say, yes God, damn well, well it's, it's <laughs> debatable if yeah. it was the protester who did it or if it was someone else but i have to say like my i feel that that burning that wendy's down mm -hmm. I, like it felt satisfying and appropriate it was an appropriate response mm -hmm. to the police still engaging in extra judicial killings of yeah. black men yeah so no, it, you know when you told me about the lynching in palmdale that happened a couple of days ago like it really got me upset i gotta admit and it's like i don't agree with burning down a wendy's because i don't see how wendy's and uncle dave have anything to do with it but i was mad like i really got upset i felt it in my body i felt it you know like it just shifted my whole energy from like feeling very peaceful yesterday yeah. to feeling very nervous you know very have a lot of anxiety and so it's like it's not surprising to me that this is the way people are reacting i wouldn't even call it a Dear protest 
I call it. Dear listener, in case you're wondering who we're talking about, um, Riri was just referring to Robert Fuller. Thank you for that. Uh, bringing the facts. Young man. I'm bringing the energy. In, <laughs> who was found in front of the city hall in Palmdale. In front home. of city hall. And the, the police said that it was a suicide oh, related to COVID-19 anxiety. But oh, we all know if Black people are going to commit suicide, we're not going to hang ourselves mm. on a rope from a tree. Mm-mm. So that's suspicious. And, and let me just say, um, before we move on. I had to breathe out. On May 31st, another Black man was found hanging from a tree in Victorville. So that's only 60 miles mm-hmm. from Palmdale. Same desert, same high desert too. Basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, it's just I think exhausting. It's important for me, especially because that's where we're from. We've got family who live there, you know, like we are. Let me just say his name real quick. His name was Malcolm Harsh. And that's who Harsh. they found in front of the a city library in Victorville mm. and they the police also ruled it a suicide and had not planned on investigating it as a murder until people the outrage from just the public but go Thank ahead Riri. well I'm I'm grateful for the outrage by the public because I mean this isn't obviously this is a historical phenomenon that is continuing into today of black men being found hung and I remember there was a black teenage boy, and I, I don't know the details of it, but it was a long time ago, um, I mean, but more recent memory. And he was found hung off of like a, a swing set, you know, in the South. And the police were like, oh, it was a suicide. And his family were just so like, this, he did not kill himself, but the police were unwilling to do anything about that. And hearing that too is just like, the police are often complicit in a lot of brutality if not directly responsible for it, but I don't know. I'm, I don't want to get off on a tangent because there's lots of tangents here, but I just want to say this is my community. This is my town. This is my area. Like I said, I got family who still live in that area. And to know that we as a people are under this kind of threat still, and we're not being protected by the police, we're not being seen by the police as valuable or, you know, worth, worth, saving worth even investigating is really painful it really hurts and when you're constantly seeking justice and you're constantly being denied justice it's like you justice starts to look like something else it doesn't look like um a resolution or a paper signed or a good speech or you know a shaking of hands community coming together it starts to look like a community in flames it looks like you know all these police officers losing their jobs it looks like violence and it looks like anger and you know, it's that's, just really hard to keep your positive energy. It is, but you know, all it's, this stuff is going on. It still is, and this is the point of that whole thing. It still is my responsibility because I'm still responsible for myself, and I still have to continue living my life. And I have, to, I want to live my life in joy. I want to celebrate life because there's so many actors out there. There's so many forces out there who want to take that away from me. Like that is their victory over me, and I'm not going to give them that. But again, I'm glad that you said his name. I'm glad that you're bringing it up. It's important for me to just take a breath and remember remember that I have lots of beautiful things in my life, but to not forget that there's things out there that want to take that away. Right. So. Well, and I want to um, maybe talk about 
us a little bit. Um, you know, we're biracial, so oh, our background. father is white mm-hmm. and our mother is black, and so we are light skinned. But <laughs> our 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 um, heritage, our the community we were raised in, we're black people, mm-hmm. and this affects us differently than mm-hmm. maybe people who don't who can't pass. I mean, sometimes you can pass, sometimes you can't. It depends on how much you're in the sun. Uh, we acknowledge that our experience with racism is different, but it still mm. creates similar levels of anxiety. And I just wanted to talk a little bit, without naming names, mm-hmm. about um, <laughs> Facebook. You know how, don't oh. be on Facebook, people. Child, Try I ain't on Facebook. Facebook. I'm off but of Facebook. When I got roped in to being on Facebook, and oh. the only reason to go on Facebook is to like see your friends from high school. But well, there's so- another reason too. The other reason, not to jump in there, but it's like some people's only website is Facebook. And I'm like, <laughs> I need to know what your menu is. Why are you only on Facebook? I'm trying to order some food here. <laughs> and I'm on Facebook. Because <laughs> it's cheaper, it's free. Yeah. But- Okay. But is so, it free? Um, There's a cost <laughs> to everything. It's interesting because we, um, you know, you grow up in a community. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about growing up in Southern California is it's really diverse. But you're surprised when the people who grew up in the same community as you don't see the police brutality for what it is. They don't mm-hmm. see the racism. And um, we were on Facebook. One of my other friends from high school, who's also a black lady, mm-hmm was like you have to see this and so this girl who used to go to high school from with us was comparing um being black to being an overweight person oh we talk about we're talking about uh i don't know can we say her name i don't know if we can say her name no i don't think we should we're talking about (laughs) dot 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 that lady again Mm. yes yes mm. yes yes she said she's taking, um, she taking up my airtime with this though i don't know how i like that i don't want to give energy into <laughs> to this i am i am incensed and i want to share it i want to work through it i want to think about how do they not see what we see mm. it's not like i'm out looking for this information i mean i guess i am because i want to stay vigilant yeah but how do we can't fix it if we can't wake everyone up and help them see that this is not right and this is well let's talk about happening let's talk about the world in a sense of like it's the illusion and the power that illusions have over the human mind the human psyche and it's like facebook is an illusion you could say that straight up i mean they know it that's they perpetuate that they're trying to project images of like, oh, we're bringing people together. We're sharing information and keeping in touch. But really, they're driving people apart, right? And then also, it's like the idea of race. Like, the way, the reason why being white is a privilege is because you don't have to see the consequences of race. You get to be free of it. And you can come in and out if you want to. Whereas, like, people who are not white, I'm not even going to say people of color, but just people who are not white, have to see it feel it, live it, be it, whether they want to or not, all the time. And so even if you quote unquote pass, you don't have the benefit of the illusion that there is no such thing as race or racism because you live it, you are in it, you see, in, you, you, know, you know that your grandparents or maybe a great, great grandparent was a slave. You know that your family had to stand outside of their house with a shotgun to protect it from white supremacists. Like they won't let you forget that. And so how could they see it? 
You know what I mean? The illusion is so strong. That magical power of whiteness is so powerful that they can't see what's going on. They can only live in this illusion that everything is fine. Or if something isn't fine, it's an anomaly. You know what I mean? It's like the right. matrix in that way. It's just a little glitch. <laughs> it's everything else is working smoothly, but that little thing just needs a little correcting there. Well, I think it would be a good idea to talk about Black Utopia as mm. an idea. Please mm-hmm. tell it's us a, about it. It's an interesting um, concept. It's an interesting idea because when you talk about utopia, you're talking about a functional place, you know, a place that is equal and high functioning and progressing, you know. And the idea of race is such that, like, there's an imbalance, there's a dysfunction, there's, a, you know, a privilege of some sort. And it's like, can utopia even exist for Black people when being Black is part of identity and that Black identity is so closely associated with struggle? Is there a place where we can be Black and not struggle? And so I, I, I'm pondering that because I would so love to live in utopia. I'm, I was for Bernie Sanders from yes. 2014, baby, before he was even blowed <laughs> up on the spot. And so it's like the idea that like, we can fix our problems. We just have to have a vision of the future that we want to live in. Um, and the problems themselves aren't like overwhelming, but like we can't just approach those problems with using the same uh, logic that we created those problems. I know that's a cliche, but it's true. And that's what I'm looking at it in terms of black people. It's like, I love being black. I love the feel of power and the, the dignity of my black struggle. But at the same time, I just want to look towards the future where I'm like living in a planet that's healthy and happy and whole. And like, do I have to give up that struggle? Can I give up that struggle? Can I live with people who've never had to struggle and feel okay about that? Like, it's hard to think about it. And I think that's where we're kind of entering this new territory of like, we're trying to solve these problems. How do we? We have to dissolve some of the the identities and the uh, the perspectives. Right, exactly. So that's what I was thinking, and we talked about this before, and I wanted mm-hmm. to bring it up again on the podcast, that yeah. I think where you just said <clears throat> dissolving identities, I think a Black utopia is just a utopia. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what, I think that's the point you're trying to make. When we say Black utopia, we're not saying we want an island, a private island <laughs> where only Black people can go. Mm-hmm. No, Black utopia would just be a place where we're not treated differently. We're not hunted. We're not, there aren't police officers acting as predators mm-hmm. hunting us. We're not a commodity. Country. Exactly. They, oh, so yes, I think Black Utopia is just a place where people stop seeing us as Black people and treating us like normal people. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's funny because um, I, I hope give this, up it's that? kind of related. Yeah. Give up what? Can you give up that identity, well, though? That's the hardest part. We're kind of I going back already, and forth with. Well, actually, remember, we've talked about this, and I, maybe I can. It's a long conversation, so I'll try to annotate it a little bit. But well, as a light-skinned black person who mm-hmm. can pass, I have had to give up a lot of that um aspect of my identity because I was raised as a black person and I saw myself as a black person and as I've lived in different communities with black people um, I've found that they don't see me the way I see myself and Mm -hmm. so I'm less tethered to the label of black 
black, even though I know I'm black, but I don't need that to be part of my identity so much. And so I think I've, it is, I, it's my, my heritage. It is who I am, but it's also not like my defining, um, aspect that I would and and I think that that's part of black utopia is that black shouldn't be our defining aspect we don't want people to say well she's black she's a person and you know these are her likes and dislikes and this is what her personality is and so I don't know I think no um, I agree I agree with you I think that if we're progressing as a society, like utopia right. aside, because that's ide- that's the ideal, but that's maybe not right. ever a reality. That's not the way it is now. But <laughs> but just to take the 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 strengths of all people and integrate them into society, to view each person as a person in their personhood. I mean, even that just saying that sounds ridiculous. But when you really look at like Black Lives Matter, police brutality, white supremacy, sexism, racism bigotry it's like your personhood's always being diminished somehow like you're just not worthy of the same rights and privileges and space and existence that the real people are worthy of and that is what hurts the most and when black people uh get treated that way and they kind of join together in community and they're saying like we're gonna uplift ourselves but then you try to like say, well, okay, that's great. But like, as a black person, I'm in your group now, like, like we're black people now. Um, I'm a little different. Can I also be, you know, uplifted and, you know, celebrated? And they're like, well, no, because your struggle isn't my struggle. It's not as hard as my struggle. Right. And it's like, okay, you're still diminishing my personhood. Who's going to recognize my personhood here? Um, right. But I think that is also the beauty of America. I will say that I love the fact that so many different people have come to this country and have contributed something, whether they were recognized or not, to progress it to the point that we've gotten. And we're at a difficult point. We're at a transition point where we're either going to grow and become something greater than we've been, or we're going to kind of retract and fall apart and start again. And this can only happen here in this country because when everyone's the same, you know, you're in a homogenous place. And obviously people in other countries are not quote unquote the same because of class, but culture, culturally the same. A lot of places are culturally the same. You can't integrate as many strengths because people are so common. But here I feel like as people of mixed background, like we are, Star Child and Riri come in with the <laughs> backgrounds. Um, we actually have that ability to tra- uh, to reach across both sides, you know, to bridge that gap and say, like, we get it. Blackness is a beautiful thing. The strength and the struggle and the pain is what has built up some of this hu- the humanity in this country. And we can never just kind of wash over it with the whiteness saying, like, okay, yeah, that's great. That's what Americans are. It's like, no, Americans are also weak and cowardly and you know violent and selfish and all that stuff like we're all of those things but we're going to take the best of the blackness the best of the whiteness the best of every other color or culture and say like this is us this is what we are as people and so i believe that we could do it i believe in america in that way i that's my vision for the future that's what i think utopia is like we're actually functioning as people and we recognize that so I think it's possible, but I don't ever want to forget my blackness. I love being black. I love Queen Latifah, honey. I love watching <laughs> Beauty Shop and BET and listening to Beyonce and all of the other, like, what I would consider black things. I love hip hop in Atlanta. 
and I don't care if that's smutty. Uh, I don't what her name's Mona something like that chick Mona who's making all these like smutty black people shows for VH1. I love it. I love it. And so I don't want to get rid of that. I want the fire. I want the like powerful black woman to be prominent in black utopia. I don't want her to go away. I want her to be a priestess. You know, I want her to be like riding a bunch of men wearing chains like she's some sort of powerful <laughs> goddess you know like that's what i want that's what, how i see myself anyways and i don't want to give that up in utopia i feel like that should be part of it <laughs> there should be space for me and my my reeriness well, i think part of being like uh, aware of your black heritage and your black history is being a socialist what do you think about that like you can't be anti-racist and still be down with con or capitalism well i feel uh, like what do you think? any I ideology can be abused if you're not open and ad adaptable to addressing the needs of the moment then you know any any ideology any kind of social engineering is going to fail so i think being a socialist is thinking with your heart, you know, letting your heart lead you. And that's always a great thing, like respecting each other and, and looking out for each other. We need that. But I'm more of a futurist, which believes that technology can also be a great benefit to us and like kind of free us up from a lot of work. And I don't think that they're exclusive. They don't exclude each other. They kind of overlap. But I do know like socialism makes a lot of people uncomfortable because they want to have kind of an economic incentive to do well and i don't know i'm kind of on the fence on it I'm, i have to be honest capitalism specifically I, with regard to black people because okay. when we're supposed to be out here having each other's back and supporting each other but mm -hmm. capitalism pits us against each other yeah we want to be rich and as soon as we're wealthy we don't care about everyone else who we were used to be struggling with side by side as soon as we're rich we're okay with the system well, and I was, I feel like capitalism is kind of synonymous with growth, like just unfettered growth. And I feel like that's not sustainable on the planet, like unless it's a spiritual growth, you know, it's like an inner growth where we're kind of making space, we're expanding. Um, you can't just constantly consume. And I feel like capitalism has a lot to do with consumerism and that is untenable. It's destroying us. It's destroying our planet. It's commodifying people and turning them into a yes. product. I mean, on all levels, but I, I just, I feel like that has to be dismantled immediately if we're going to survive. And it's not even about a political ideology. Like, it's just about like looking at the world you're living in. And remember that movie, The Langoliers? I think it was a TV, made for TV movie. The Langoliers. They were just, <laughs> what is this? It's a Stephen King book. Um, and... It's about these people on a plane who fly through Stephen a time. Stephen King be tripping, by the way, but we'll talk about that later. Go well, ahead. But he writes scary <laughs> stuff, and I'm scared by the imagery that I see all the time. And I'm like, Stephen King, this is Stephen King-esque type scary stuff where you're like watching the earth be consumed by our ravenous appetite. And people are like, well, you know, what are you going to do? I need my Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and it's like girl the world is on fire You're like yeah but that chick-fil-a be bomb though <laughs> and i don't even eat chick-fil-a but that's part of it like people aren't willing to give stuff up to right to like this is where the revolution is going to be is like it's live with you when you do something revolutionary saying like i'm not going to buy a product that i know is destroying the planet 
And that's every single product. That's consumerism. And if you can't decouple consumerism with capitalism, you got to throw out capitalism too. So I could see that. But as a person who has entrepreneurial um, aspirations, I would love to start a business. I'd love to like use my energy towards building something, but I want to build something that helps people build something of their own and like not something that takes up space from someone else, but something for themselves kind of building up. I'm all about vertical build, you know, a vertical expansion. I'm not trying to spread across the globe, just covering it with a blanket of me. I'm trying to like reach to the stars and expand. Let me just um, say that socialism is um, capitalism. It's a moderate form of capitalism in between capitalism and communism so you would still be able to own a business in socialism Mm -hmm. but you would have to pay your employees and i know it's ethical right not a slave wage and you'd have to pay taxes and maybe you wouldn't be a trillionaire like jeff bezos well that's the thing about it you know it doesn't and 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 i'm not a political science i'm not even a professor in any of this stuff i just have a, a common sense viewpoint that like if you want the economy to run well, you have to pay people enough to live. Right. Especially if it's based on consumerism. How are they supposed to buy anything if they don't have any money? But is that even socialism? Like, I don't think No, have... I don't. Yeah, that's, that's not socialism. socialism but that's, that's, <laughs> that's a different conversation. That's just common sense. Like, if you want people to buy things and you want to make money off people buying things, you want to make sure the most people, mo- the largest amount of people have money to buy things. Like, well, I, I feel think like, that just goes to show rich people yeah. are not the smartest people on the planet. I wonder if they ever even took an economics well, class. Well, tell them. Okay, I don't want to know how stuff here. works. I don't want to get off on conspiracies, but you know how I get. I get all whipped <laughs> up. So let me tell you my conspiracy theory on this. Well, this is incensical. So I, it is. Fine. Let me burn some incense because I need to just clear this. <laughs> I need to get this energy out, this negative energy out. But this get is what that, I. Uh, Palo Santo out here. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I do got it in my pocket. I'm always ready to burn it. But anyways, so I think this is by design. I don't think that these rich people are dumb. I think that these rich people are planning on eliminating as much of the poor and the sick and the unuseful people, non-useful people as possible because it benefits them. They don't need us anymore. They got robots. They got the internet. They've got like dwindling resources too. They got less clean water, less clean air, less spaces to occupy. And so they're trying to like make sure that people aren't surviving you know they want covid to run wild because it does their work as soon as their interests were secure in those two months they're like okay fine go back to work i don't gotta go anywhere i live in the hamptons i've got a maid i've got people bringing me food i'm on a private yacht in the mediterranean right david geffen they're watching it just burn from afar they don't (laughs) care so it's like they know that if they starve these people and these people are fighting the police who are actually only paid to protect their property and not actually protect people. Let me say something about that. I was just thinking, Mm -hmm. why do we have police protecting property at huge places like Walmart? You realize that we are paying all of this taxpayers money and subsidizing their, um, their own security. Mm -hmm. So the police see themselves as working for places like Walmart and Target. And tell but me Walmart. To protect them from the actual people who they're supposed to be protecting. It's 
crazy. You know what? Walmart should be paying for the police. We shouldn't be using six, what was it, $6 billion of the city fund in Los Angeles was going to the police budget. That better come from Walmart. It well, shouldn't be coming from taxes. That is an interesting thing because you know Walmart's insured to the teeth. They insured the lives of their employees when they die. So you know their wow. property is insured. So I'm, I know for- The they do is pay for the police since the police well, seem to work for them. They don't even need the police. That's the thing. They don't need the police. They could watch every single Walmart burn. They get paid. But you know, the insurance companies ain't going to have that. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of a, an agreement. But have you noticed how the police- will be at Walmart or they'll be at Target or they protect the the like brick and mortar stores because yeah. they're afraid of petty crime and maybe and some shoplifting. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I hope um, they should, if that's where they spend the majority of their time as police, then obviously these stores need to be paying for the police. They need to pay their salaries. <laughs> Well, they do in a way, but here's the other thing. They don't pay any taxes. How do well, they pay for the police? Well, again, it's a conspiracy theory. I don't have any evidence. I need to say that out loud. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but it's like all about kickbacks and they hire each other and it's all just a small crony capitalism system where that's why police don't give a damn because they get money from a lot of places, not just the, the public coffers. That's where they get all the benefits. You know, That's where they get all the legitimacy, but they don't actually care about taxpayer money. But again, I'm not a cop. I don't know what they do. But here's here's my other grievance with cops right now. There's like they're out there protecting Walmart and all this stuff, and they're enforcing all of these quote unquote laws. But it's constitutional to protest, you know. Like they're not allowing people to ex exercise their constitutionally protected right to assembly and freedom of speech without getting hit with rubber bullets, and and pepper and pepper spray and tear gas. But yet when COVID nineteen drops and the health directors are like, you got to wear a mask. They're like, that's not constitutional. You can't make me arrest people for things that wouldn't otherwise be a crime. And I'm like, oh, child. <laughs> that's when I start getting really mad. Because I'm like, what? You've been arresting yes. and murdering people for using... Total hypocrisy. Marijuana or I'm going to say cannabis because marijuana is you know, a pejorative term. You're killing people for using cannabis. You're killing people for... Um, using cocaine, you're killing people for using substances to self-medicate for mental illness, and how is that even a crime in the first place? But, you know, and then you're killing people for walking down the street, you're killing people for things that aren't even crimes at this very moment, and you won't ask a person who might be sick to put on a freaking mask to save some lives because it's not, in your view, constitutional? Like, ooh, child, I get mad at the police because they're so full of shit, and I think that's the most important part of this world that we're living in 2020 is the veil has been taken off of our eyes. We need to call yes. out the bullshit when we see it, because if we don't, we're just going to be steeped in it for a long time. And th this moment is calling us right now to actually change things. And we can't change things if we're ignoring the problem. We can't change things if we remain ignorant of the problem. We can't live in a delusion and think things are going to get better. It just has to be called out. And so that's why I'm saying like, this is by design. Like they're getting us all worked up and running around trying to get us sick with COVID. So we're all like, you know, just uh, weakened. <laughs> we don't have the energy of the spirit. That's why we need to like pull back and kind of reorganize. But I'm not, this isn't a podcast about organizing protests. <laughs> and here I am trying to lead the protests. But this is a podcast about our lives as Black women, as mothers, 
and as Americans in this moment, and I think this is like what everybody's going through right now. So it doesn't surprise yeah. me that I'm, I'm trying to coordinate and organize. I'm not. This is just right. how I feel about it. But if cops are listening to this, I respect you when you act respectable. I respect when you are consistent and you have integrity. I do not respect when you stand by and watch someone murder someone else when you know that they didn't do anything wrong or over some petty bullshit. Like George Floyd got murdered in front of a group of people. One of them could have said something. Just one of them could have said something to save his life and none of them did anything. They just stood there. And well, okay. I don't so respect there were four that. officers and three of them were on top of mm-hmm. George Floyd. Mm. So it's not like they were just standing there watching. They were actively holding him down so he couldn't get away while one of them snuffed the life out of him. But I mean, watching that video, did you watch the video? There, of course I did. Ugh. And the fourth cop was standing there preventing anyone else from getting around him to, to get a better video. So. I, it honestly sickened me to listen to it. Like I watched just a clip of it, but to listen to a man, a human being, like yeah. struggle to live and like just slowly die and to see the face of the man who has his knee on his neck listening to that not even having any emotion about what he's doing like it lit a fire in me it created like it literally created an incendiary reaction in my body and I was just like had I been there on the street I would have been a second dead body because I would have been losing my mind over this I would not have been able to watch that yeah Maybe. You know, and I feel so much pain that the people who could, people who were there could only just stand there and watch, you know, they're paralyzed right. by the system that we've created to control people. And well, I'm ready to break out. Were there knew- <laughs> the people who were there knew how dangerous it was to interfere. That's why mm-hmm. they did their best and tried to bear witness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm pretty sure, like you said, if you had tried to go over there, uh, they would have killed you. <laughs> they would have killed called, me, beat me. They, yes, they would have. You would have been dead. But that's what we're dealing with anyways. And that's what I'm saying. Like, instead of burning down Walmart, let's just start standing up for each other, you know, taking, taking whatever lumps. I think that's the thing, like, people are afraid to put their, their necks on the line for another person because, honestly good deeds no good deed goes unpunished amen like remember the guy um who was selling loose cigarettes eric garner is it eric garner and Mm -hmm. he's the one who said i can't breathe well the the latino guy who was taking a video of him Mm -hmm. he filmed the the reason why he filmed the whole thing they put him in jail and Mm -hmm. that was how many years ago he just got out two days ago yeah, they put him that. in jail on some trumped up charges. They mm-hmm. retaliated against him for filming it. And I worry about the girl who filmed um, George Floyd's murder mm. because you know something will happen to her too. Mm-hmm. And then also the people who were involved in the Ferguson protests, mm-hmm. four, four of them have been killed and um, under suspicious circumstances. Mm. Oh, so I heard I about that. Yeah. I, I understand why people are hesitant to get involved but we have to remember there's more of us than there are of them. Mm. And honestly, if you're a cop or your brother's a cop or your dad is a cop, you need to talk to these people. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not just our responsibility. It's everyone's responsibility. You have to tell your dad, did you do this to people? Do you do this to people? Is this what your job is? You need to quit because there is more respectable, noble employment. You can't go around doing this to people. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we should hold each other accountable. I do think that, but I also think we need to, as as black people and marginalized people and people of color and everyone who's concerned about what's going on, who is afraid for their lives, we need to gather together and really get a sense of ourselves, how how many we are, how, how strong how strong our numbers are in our local communities, people we can reach out and touch and talk to and start strategizing for our future because when the protests die down and everything goes back to normal, it's like we have to start to um, organize. We have to start bolstering well, and lifting say, up our communities. I'm disappointed. I'm is, disappointed about our community well, organizing together. And let me tell you why. Because okay. we had a chance with Bernie. All right. And well, my black people failed me well, because they, I don't know what they that, were thinking. I want to talk about that, but don't jump on I, that right now because I, 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 I want to, I want to get. Because how can we all get together as well, a black community when you can't see in front of your face? But that, that was, that what was what we were trying to do. That was years ago. <laughs> it feels that like was, that because 2020, are years. 2020 has been a lot, but it's like, that was a different 2020 time. has been a decade. Yeah. <laughs> That is a different time for a different mindset. Like clearly things have changed. But my point is like, this is literally our opportunity to create the vision for the future that we need to see. This is our chance to start standing up for each other and figuring out the way we're going to do that. Because again, this is by design. The police are acting the way they're supposed to. They're trained to act this way. The rich people do not give a shit. And I hate to say that, but they don't. They don't give a shit because they're insulated and if they don't have to be touched by it they're not going to and we are not we are on the front lines we need to start taking our power back and looking at each other and saying how can i stand up for you how can i show up for you because if we don't do that they're just gonna pinch uh they're gonna just not pinch us off one by one but they're gonna you know they're gonna eliminate us slowly do this they do things misguidedly thinking that they're they're helping the community and i have been waiting for a great segue to talk about this but let me just tell everybody Mm -hmm. about my physics professor (laughs) white man Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes no i have to talk about it because he thought talk about that that fake ally actually exactly thank you he thought he was standing in solidarity with black people in case my dear listeners didn't know this um on wednesday so i think that was what june 10th um they had a blackout which was basically a strike in academia academia a strike with stem in stem fields in solidarity with black people to confront racism in stem and academia Right. But so what does this mean in real life? Well, if you're a professor and you're teaching a class and you go on strike, who does that hurt? That hurts your students, you big dumb dumb. Like you're gonna go on strike. So that you'd be a lot nicer right now about it than you were earlier. (laughs) But you were really mad. I it, I was vibrating the disrespect. (laughs) Okay. So no, so if I have a question question about an assignment but you refuse to answer the emails mm-hmm. how are you helping the black community so, so this is a, a message to all of our white allies because i understand what they were trying to do they were trying to show their solidarity with black community and i appreciate that but i need you to think the best way to help black people is help black people you actually know people that this is why it's called mutual aid where you you get involved in the community because doing things like writing to your congressperson or doing these large um you know 
supposed to be on a grand scale, those things don't help. You can help black people in STEM by helping your black students pass your class mm -hmm. by being available to answer their questions or maybe go out of your way by, I don't know, make a YouTube video breaking down how to answer a problem mm, uh, between, mm -hmm. I mean, between you and me and our, our listeners, mm -hmm. <laughs> I am on a group chat. <laughs> I am on a group chat with basically all the black girls in this class. And we don't ask questions during our Zoom calls because it's embarrassing. Mm. And all the white kids are like, boop-de-boop-de-boop. -boop -boop. They already know everything. But so mm. we're on the back end scrambling and relying on each other, using every resource we can mm -hmm. that is ethical. You know, we're not over here trying to cheat or anything. But you can really tell that black people in STEM are at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And this professor, if he really wanted to help us, he would say, let me go through these examples one by one. And let me tell you how to solve this step by step. Mm -hmm. But that's not what he does. So by going on strike for people who are already hustling and struggling and trying to pass this class, mm -hmm. you basically said, you know, F you to my person, my, the, the actual group of people I could help. Yeah. So I, Here's I think another obstacle. People, yeah. White people need to be aware of that. It's, well, it's almost like, I don't know if it was performative and he just didn't want to answer emails that day, but I actually <laughs> believe that he, he thought he was doing a good thing, well, but he I, didn't have that perspective to see how he was actually impacting black people in STEM. Well, I heard this really great phrase, and I think this is really, uh, it's really important to say it over and over again, and it's very uh, I don't know if the word is salient. Maybe it's a salient point. Uh, black people don't need allies. Black people need co-conspirators. Like we need people who are out here trying to work with us to get us to succeed. Like we don't need people who are going side by side speak out against the injustices that we face because damn, we've been speaking. Shit is not being heard. We need someone to come and strategize with us. Come and assist us. You know, come be our co-conspirator in like uplifting us and helping us get by because like you said that's just a pitfall that's just an obstacle for black people when they don't have resources even if the resources aren't being made available for a very very noble reason it's still a bullshit exercise it bullshit. if it doesn't help if it doesn't help anybody you know and i think that's a lot of that's how i feel a lot of this protesting a lot of it's just a bullshit exercise because people are just you know pent up and they're tired of not being heard but did you not see the people taking pictures of themselves at protests so no. they can put it on instagram girl i'm not on social media just because <laughs> i don't want to give away my data for free i'm on zoom right now and i'm worried about that like i'm about to get off that shit too because this whole everything that is given to you for free on the internet is not free it, they're harvesting your data and they're using it against you and for their own economic advantage so F all that, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Switch, Twitch, Snapchat, TikTok. I'm not on that stuff. I don't like being on that stuff because that's not real and I don't want to be you used. You record your, <laughs> your uh, podcast from like a bunker. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I went and bought myself a camera. I bought myself a laptop. I bought all this stuff and then I'm just going to post it in smoke signals because I don't know how else to get it through the internet without... Google or Amazon or anything like that, but that's the tea, isn't it? Not, but yes, we need co-conspirators. We don't need fake allies. We don't need performance uh, protests. We don't need any of that. We need. Oh, that's how you know there are no black people in STEM because I'm sure some black people were like, 
uh, don't you have a class to teach? Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. Like, black people don't even have the privilege to go on strike. You think mm-hmm. the two black people in the STEM, like in the physics department and the chemistry, because there aren't any black people, by the way. But let's say mm-hmm. they were, there were two. <laughs> you think imagine. they'd be like... We create two black people in there. We are going on strike today to, <laughs> like, do you think that white people would be like, um, I'm not sure we're on board with that, Malik. Well, I, how do I you really feel? Don't... Yeah, how do you feel about June night, Juneteenth, June nineteenth being a national I think, holiday? I think that's a great idea, but, but I also think that we have to be careful. It doesn't become like MLK where they try to sanitize it well, here, and whitewash the history. Well, here's the thing. I was thinking about it, and I, you know. I have a day job. I work in STEM and I'm like, ooh, can I pull that? Can I be like, June 19th is a holiday for black people and I'm not coming to work, you know, because I'm also a practicing Jew and there's a lot of Jewish holidays where I should be not at work, you know, but every time I try to pull that, they're like, uh, sure, (laughs) you cannot come to work. I guess you ain't getting paid for it. And, you know, you got to use your vacation time and all that stuff. It's like, no one's trying to make accommodations for me to exercise my my black liberation and my jewish freedom of religion like nobody gives a shit so i'm like i feel like that is the same kind of thing yeah it could be also whitewashed but the point is like what is what's the advantage what's the strategy where is the end game here with all these movements happening and if it's not calling every single person you know who is you know one i'm gonna call them conspirators now because allies are just kind of a whack term but if they're not your co-conspirators and they're not your, you know, family at arms, I don't know what to call them brother at arms, but brothers and sisters at arms who's like in the struggle with you, then, you know, you don't put any energy to it. Just find the people who are in your corner, who support you, who care about you, and just expand that circle as big as you can and find ways to help each other and stand up for each other. Because that's what 100%. we're going to need. Don't be like Nancy Pelosi mm. and uh, Ooh, put on a kente cloth and kneel for almost nine minutes, but then don't not do anything. Can I say this too? As a black person, I do not own so a kente cloth. <laughs> I do not. I am that not like African. An African. <laughs> we are not African. We're just as American as you. Mm. And that was so disrespectful. But the worst part was they said that other black members of Congress told her it would be a good idea. Don't listen to your black friends in Congress because this Mm-mm. is what I'm talking about. Capitalism and proximity to power. Those black people don't speak for us, for real mm. black people, for people on the street. They've been around you too long. They don't mm. even know what's right and what's wrong so yeah class is a real thing too it's like we're not just talking about race we're talking about class but on that note we should probably wrap it up because this is a big conversation that's gonna continue for probably the rest of our lives so we might want to save it for some more episodes and well if um if you listeners liked our conversation or you have any ideas it's things you want to hear about please Mm -hmm like subscribe post a comment mm-hmm. and uh, give us five stars on apple podcasts and, and we look forward to hearing from you and i'll let star child uh manage the social media account so maybe you can find us on that <laughs> at some point if you like what we yes. you want to spread the word around but we wish you all the best shall i send us out with a little bit of uh Yes, please vibrations. calm down because okay, I need some good vibrations. Let's see if we can get that. We need that. We need that positive vibration. Here we go. Warm it up. And.
It was good talk to you. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. Let's do this again soon. All right. I'll see you soon. Okay. Bye-bye.